0: I'm going to start with a poem. Don't do this very often, but I'm going to start with a poem. It's a poem by Matthew Arnold, written 1860 something, about then. Yeah, looks at English teacher gets shrug. <laughs> Fine. Was on A-level syllabus, something O-level yeah, syllabus. I a long time ago, yeah. Say no word. So this is actually lines 11 to something. It's sort of second or third stanza of the verse, of the poem. The sea of faith was once too at the full, and round earth's shore lay like the folds of a bright girdle furled, but now I only hear its melancholy long-withdrawing roar, retreating to the breath of the night wind down the vast edges drear and naked shingles of the world. This is written just after the middle of the 19th century. And it's saying that the sea of faith was once full. The previous 100 years, there'd been the Wesleyan revival. Churches had been full all over the country. Methodism was growing and growing and growing. But here's Matthew Arnold going. Faith was once full. Now all he can hear, and, and faith shone round the earth, folds of a bright girdle furled. It surrounded the earth. Now I only hear its melancholy, long withdrawing roar, retreating to the breath. The poem is called Dover Beach. It's all about, and this is all about the. The tide going out. In 1860, whatever it was, Matthew Arnold is going, what's happening to faith? That's 160 years ago. And he's saying, what's happening to faith? I think there are two problems with this. What happens to it if, I think Matthew Arnold left the beach too soon. Because you stand and you watch the sea go out, and you come back 12 hours later and it's coming back in again. And actually, if you look through church history, there have been statements like this again and again and again. And in between, there's been revival. And what we see as revival is the tide coming in. And what we panic about as church decrease is the tide going out. We're in a period of the tide going out. But guess what? The tide comes back in again. We could spend a lot of time post COVID going, oh, church is in a mess, church' is going to do this, church is going to do, this. oh, we're we going to do church." Ah. Or we could say the tide's on its way out, and it will come back in because God is sovereign. Isn't he? We know he's not in control in that minute sense, but he is sovereign. He's in charge. So, who will make revival happen again? God. It's not us. We can't make revival happen. We can, we can stop it, actually, by our sinfulness and our lack of um, you know, believing lies and all that sort of stuff. We can stop it, but we can't make it happen. We can be ready for it to happen. We can move with it as it happens. But we can't initiate it. Only God can do that. The other thing that's wrong with the poem, not I'm not taking the poetry apart, but the content of the poem, is Matthew Arnold is only looking at England. Or, at best, the British Isles. Because in the mid-18th century, Christian church was flourishing throughout the world. If you go now and look at the church in South America or in the Caribbean or in parts of Africa or in Southeast Asia or in China, guess what the church is doing? Exploding. The tide is coming in there and going out here. So is the church on retreat? No. No. The church is not in retreat if we have a global perspective and if we remember that God's times and seasons are God's times and seasons. That first Pentecost that we celebrated last week, amazing day. How big was the church worldwide? That first Pentecost, tiny, just a few thousand few days previously 12 well there were a few other followers around but you know what I mean was the tide out or in at that point the tide was out the tide was out then and Pentecost was the turning of the tide and back it comes and then and then and then and then Christendom but actually then in the middle Ages, do you know what happened in the mid 1850s in the 1860s there were questions in parliament as to why people weren't going to church Now, Parliament doesn't give a monkeys now, but we're still asking the same questions. But it's what I want to try and get across to us is it's not about us and not to, as we come back from COVID, as we go back into that place, the tide will come back. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12. Thank you, Richard. this is true whether the tide is in or out you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to god that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light don't but uh, i wasn't quick enough was i <laughs> called you out of darkness into his wonderful that is still true if you're part of the persecuted church That is still true. If you're part of the Western church that is struggling, that is still true. If you're part of the church that is growing quickly and fast, that is still true. Because in Scripture, if it's true, it's true. Funny that. Thank you. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. It's true. Keep going, sir. Thank you. Dear friends, I urge you, And this is what we need to recognize, as aliens and strangers in this world. I think what what has happened in this country is that as Christians, we've let our culture, I'm just talking about in this country, we let our culture so infiltrate the church that we're comfortable. And we like it comfortable. The language of Shakespeare through 1662 Book of Common Prayer. And for some of us, that's wonderful, and we love it. But how much of it is cultural? The type of music we like, whether it's old hymns, whether it's 1970s country choruses, because that's what they were, if we're honest, or the the stuff from the last 40 years, or what we... We like what we like. But we're supposed to be alien to the culture around us. Do you look the same as the people next door? We do. We do. Anybody so countercultural that they haven't got two cars? Anybody so countercultural that they don't push their kids to get the best education? Anybody so countercultural that they don't? You fill the gaps in but we're not are we 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 get sucked in we get sucked in because we don't want to stand out we don't want to look odd so we get sucked in but we're aliens but we're aliens we're citizens of another country We are aliens and strangers in this world. And we're to abstain from the cultural practices. That's the translation according to Laurie Clow. There you go. From the sinful desires. Because most of what culture is out there is selfish and is not holy. Please. I want to go to football. I want to play in my band. I want to have a beer. I'm as cultural as the next one. But... Where are we standing different? Which war against to Live such good lives among the pagans. We can't call everybody else pagans. That's rude. I'm really sorry. That's what scripture calls non-Christians. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, <laughs> I even got it yesterday. heard it yesterday at the Fete. It's for things like this we gotta make sure this common land is not built on. I said, no, I agree with you. That's why we don't plan to build on it. And the person looked and went. And it was somebody who it's the person that made the representation the very first time we went to planning. They believed the lie. They accuse you of doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We are aliens and we need to recognize. We are a holy priesthood, royal priesthood and all the rest. We've got to hold on to it. But we need to recognize that we are aliens. We can be so comfortable in culture. in my own handwriting going what the heck does that say oh (laughs) I see it now during lockdown we've actually had to be different we've had to be different lots of churches haven't been but we've tried to be as soon as we could open we opened not being stupid not not distancing I want to de- double, I'm on my way to a triple negative at some point here, I think. Not doing all that stuff, not being, we've been careful, but we were open. And we were open at Christmas, and we were open, and we did stuff outside, and we did stuff inside, and we were open. And we're standing, and we're holding and saying, no, this doesn't have to put us down. And the problem is, if we appear different to the culture around us, it's so uncomfortable. It jars us. But it doesn't jar our spirit. It jars our flesh. And the really, the really sad thing for most of us is that when the flesh speaks to us, it speaks loudly. And when the spirit speaks to us, we can't hear the small, still voice. So we go with the, we go with the loud. Because that's what we can hear. Talking to some friends, church leaders. It's hard work, isn't it? Yeah. I think fewer and fewer people are getting it. Yep. Yeah. Pete said to me as we left, and took him to the station, uh, not the station, what's the other thing? Airport, that's the one. Trying to get an airplane from the station's not good. It doesn't help. When Pete left for South Africa last week, he, he remembered the picture about my ministry but well, I asked the Lord, why am I in Cheshire boys? And the Lord gave me a picture of a pearl. And I said, for those of you who haven't heard this, it's like, well, what, what do you mean a pearl? That's this. And the Lord said to me, how is a pearl made? And I said, well, there's a bit of grit inside the pearl. Oh. And Pete, on the driving to Heathrow, Pete just said to me, who have you irritated recently for the Lord? Absolutely, that's that's the revelation, and that's the call. I should be the irritant. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but and Pete's question is absolutely right. Who have you irritated? What situation have you been the irritant in? Are we going to see the pearl, or, or are you going to conform to Cheshire Boys culture and just because it's I want to be liked by everybody, so I want to conform. I don't want the rubber Conversations. But guess what? If I'm an irritant for the pearl, you know what you lot should be? Irritants as well. So there you go. And we should be. we should, And not going up and being irritants going, but just being ourselves in Christ should irritate culture. Because it shows up what's not good. And we don't go, nah, see? Our heart breaks with those people. and We feel their pain. But we still be who we're designed to be. Is he ever going to get onto the Hebrews passage? Eventually, I promise. Post-COVID, we cannot return to the old places. I was challenged with that this week. It's a bit weird. Post-COVID, we cannot go back to where we were two years ago. We cannot. Jesus told his disciples to go back to Galilee, and he would meet them there. They went back to the old familiar things. They went fishing and all that stuff. But everything was completely different. They were back in their familiar place, but everything was different. They were different. They'd spent two and a half years with Jesus. Everything was different. Jesus was now the risen Christ. Everything was different, even though they were back in the familiar place. We cannot go back. We won't bounce back. We cannot build back. I was talking to Sonia about this. There's a phrase that's used a lot. And it's the wrong phrase, I'm sorry. We cannot build back. All we can do is build forward. And we bounce forward. And the problem is for the last six months, eight, nine months, we've, been, we've not been in Good Friday. If you think Good Friday was lockdown, we've been in Easter Saturday going, what's coming next? But I think the point is coming. Resurrection is coming. To build back and, and it's not build back or maybe possibly it's no we're back not back where we were but we've built forward into the new normal <laughs> everybody went oh it's horrible for it actually it is a new normal and in christ the transformation is, is always a new normal Tomorrow's a different normal to yesterday did you know that as pete said last week if we experience christmas and Good Friday, and Easter, and Pentecost, and Ascension every day, then every day should be transformative, shouldn't it? If we're going to return, if we're going to come back, build forward into the future, we need resilience. Just very quickly with this, and there can be a couple of verses. We need resilience. The first thing about resilience is we need resistance. James 1.12 says this. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So we need to, to resist. We need to persevere. When the culture says no, we say no, yes. When the culture says you can't, we say Jesus can. When the culture says stop that, we say we're not going to. That's the perseverance under trial. It's not just hunker down, hide, you know, be a highly holy huddle hanging on for heaven try and say that when you've had a couple there's <laughs> no point in being a holy, highly holy huddle hanging on for heaven that's not what we're here for we're here to be salt and light, we're here to transform the world, we're here to win people for Christ, we're here to see the kingdom come on earth as in heaven so we've got to get on with it so we need that resilience, that perseverance that standing firm and it's not about rigidity it's about because you know, some the most the things that often persevere the best are those that have a certain level of flexibility. You know the skyscrapers that fall down are the ones that are too rigid when the wind hits. A, uh, looks at architecture. Am I getting that right? Yes. You build that in, but there's still there's a permanence and an endurance about it. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. We're considered completely bonkers because we believe in a god we can't see. And you know, I used to be a school teacher, but you know, one hundred and fifty years of education has now caused us to deny and dismiss the invisible realm. If we can't see it, see it, feel it, touch it, taste it, smell it, it doesn't exist not true not true and the spiritual realm surrounds us so we need resistance or perseverance we need to reconfigure now reconfiguration is often thought about as the accommodation of stress anybody felt stressed over the last two years right those of you without your hands up are lying so that's a piece of stress there we've all been stressed can we can't we should we shouldn't we Halfway to Derby on Tuesday, oh, I haven't tested. I'm going to a conference. I got there and they went, "He's sneezing." I went, "No, you're coughing." No, coming. You're fine. But I, you know, but it was stress halfway up the M1 because I'd forgotten to do what I was supposed to do because I'm, we're not supposed to do it anymore. But uh, ah, I've been spending the last of the, most of the last six months lockdown was fine because it was lockdown and there we were. Most of the rest of the time, it's been, what the heck is going on? And what can we and can't we do? And i really. And we can accommodate stress in two ways. And this is what we mustn't do. We mustn't go into survival mode. We mustn't just accommodate the stress and just, again, hang on. Otherwise, we end up in bondage. We become bound to the survival. And the enemy goes, there you go. See, God doesn't bless you. You, you, God's so small, he only just makes you survive. It's not true, is it? I've come that you might have life, and life that's so awful that you want to get out of it as soon as possible. That's what John 10.10 says, isn't it? Oh, no. What's the word? Full, abundant, overflowing. So we don't accommodate the stress by going into survival mode. What we do is we go into transformation mode. Romans 12.2, if we can, Richard. Yes, you're right. I've missed one out. You're fine. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So after resistance, we reconfigure through transformation. That's what we're about. And then we enter recovery. And recovery doesn't mean repair. Recovery means restoration. Recovery means taking back that which is stolen. Recovery means Acts 1.6. When they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? To which the answer is no, but I'm going to restore the kingdom. Because they got too narrow an understanding of it. It's more. Luke, uh, Luke 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save... We know the better translation here, They came to seek and save that which was lost. He's about restoring our design. He's about restoring who we are in Christ. So post-COVID, we need to show resilience, which is resistance, reconfiguration, recovery, or perseverance, transformation, and restoration. Do you want to know how the patriarchs did it? They did it by faith. Hebrews 11. Last bit. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Not in the here and now, but with regard to the future. Their future, not his. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, I love this. When Jacob was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons, They're not his children now, his grandchildren, as he leaned on the top of his staff. It's a bit missing. There is a bit missing. Oh, no, it hasn't, I haven't read it. And worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. In my Bible, it says he worshipped and he leaned on the top of his staff and worshipped. I've got it the wrong way around. I love the fact there's a man coming to the end of his life. He's not well. His heart is completely for his grandchildren. And his activity is to lean on his stick or his walker or whatever it is you need to get here. And he worships. He just worships. Last one. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near spoke about the exodus of the Israelites. So this isn't about his children or his grandchildren, it's about the whole flipping nation. I guess he was a government official, wasn't he? He's thinking about the whole thing. Oh, and being a good government official, he gives them instructions about his bones and what to do with them. I think the Lord's calling us. He's calling us into this place of resilience where we do the resistance and the recovery where we do the perseverance and the restoration and the transformation. But I think one of the ways he's, gonna, he's, he's doing it is he's asking us to look to the future. He's asking us to let go of what we want right now that we might bless our children and our grandchildren and they might see the tide coming back in. We might not see the tide come back in. Please God, we do love to be part of that but you know what, if I'm not it's okay it's not my entitlement are we willing to let go of all the stuff we like to see our children and our grandchildren and the people of God blessed you might be sitting there going, "Well." Yeah, we don't hold on to the stuff from the past. Yeah, we all do somewhere. We all do somewhere. We're going to go into worship. Remember the first bit. The first bit is about holding on to the promises. And remember those and declaring those. And the last bit is leaning on your stick and worshipping. I got an email a couple of weeks ago. I don't understand why we're so worried about youth and children. My kids used to sit through the services, and there was no problems. Yeah, are they in church now? No. There wasn't any problems, because they were good kids, and they behaved themselves. Bless them. I don't want our kids sitting through church. I want our kids engaged. I love, you know, Joshua, just daddy, I love you. And we weave it into what we're doing because he's part of the body. He's not a little boy to be ignored, wound up by. (laughs) He's part of the body. Will we let go and bless him? Will we let go to see the church grow? Will we let go and maybe even retire from the beach? Please, I'm not asking you not to do stuff. Because when you say things like that, you sometimes go, all the volunteers are going to stop, help. No, but you, you hear what I'm saying. It's about attitude rather than action in that sense. I stand.